Hello, colleagues and friends, and welcome to the Task Platform's newest Task Break, now as a podcast. I'm Katrona Sari, and I'm Executive Director of the Task Platform. For those of you who don't know us, the Task Platform is an open forum here in International Geneva, bringing together the diverse community of international organizations, businesses, civil society, and academia here in Geneva and beyond to connect, exchange, and innovate on cross-cutting issues related to large-scale societal transformations. These are subjects that are being dealt with within almost every organization, but often within separate silos. So our aim is to bust those silos and bring together people who don't often have the chance to speak to each other. Today, we're speaking about a topic that's really at the heart of uh, International Geneva, humanitarian leadership. I am delighted to be joined today by Melissa Pitotti. Uh, Melissa is the co-author of the Leading Well Report on Aid Leaders' Perspectives on Staff Wellbeing and Organizational Culture. It's published by the CHS Alliance together with ICFA. And Melissa is also the voice behind the Embodying Change podcast. We were delighted to host Melissa on October 17th to, together with a group of female leaders from around international Geneva for an event called Women in Humanitarian Leadership Strategies and Solidarity. This event really aimed to delve into the shared challenges and explore actionable leadership techniques that women can take working to support themselves and their staff's well-being in this challenging field. Melissa is launching a new initiative called the Solidarity Experiment, and I'm really excited to have her here today to speak a little bit more about it. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Katrona. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so great working with you so far. Uh, likewise, would you like to tell us uh, a little more about your, the challenges faced by women in particular in this sector and why you decided to dive into tackling this through your new initiative? Absolutely. So I guess I should get started on why I'm interested in the international humanitarian sector. When I was young, I was growing up and we were moving around a lot and I got very interested in the issue of refugees, people who are moving outside their countries of origin, usually uh, according to the official definition, fleeing a well-founded fear of persecution and other things. And I became so interested in refugees that I ended up spending a lot of time here in Geneva, the international capital of humanitarian affairs. This is where the headquarters of the UN High Commissioner for Refugees is, UNHCR. It's where the headquarters of the ICRC is, the International Committee of the Red Cross, the International Federation of the Red Cross, the IFRC, and many UN agencies that are also working to respond to refugee crises around the world. So I got very interested in refugee response, and I've been working in that sector since 2001 with the Afghan refugee return. And over the time of looking at refugee response, I got to have a lot of friends in the sector who one by one started burning out. Um, and burning out meaning they are exhausted, they are becoming very detached from their original purpose entering into the sector, and also, they, um, several years ago, and more and more people are coming forward with their stories. And I became very interested 
to understand why people in the humanitarian sector, but also any purpose-led sector, we've got a lot of them here represented well in Geneva, why are we struggling so much um, to do our work well? And with that, uh, with ICFA and the CHS Alliance, we started something called the Working Well Series, where we're looking at working level perspectives, and then we jumped to leadership perspectives, governance perspectives, and now we're finalizing a report on funding perspectives. And um, from your work on those studies, how have you now moved into convening a group of leaders and women leaders in particular? What brought you to that point? Yeah, so what we studied in the research from interviewing hundreds of people working in the humanitarian sector, but also outside, there's a lot more research that's been done, for example, on military, police, teachers, health workers. We noticed there are six risk factors to burnout. One of them is you feel a values misalignment. So you are entering a workspace because you want to relieve human suffering. At least that's what humanitarians do. And then you see actually people in our organization are suffering and we don't do anything about that. So when you have a, a values misalignment, that's a big risk factor for burnout. And another risk factor for burnout is when you feel quite isolated, when you don't have community, when you don't have peer support. This is a big issue for people in my sector because we are often asked to what they call rotate. This is a dreaded word. You're supposed to move from one location to the next because you're supposed to go from one hot spot to the next. And that really separates you from your family friends, from your childhood friends, from your community of origin. So, you, so in essence, if you are in an international rotation system, you're pulled away from community. So what I'd like to do with the solidarity experiment is try to reverse that by creating a space for people to live their values. And when I talk about values in this sense, I'm thinking of compassion with solidarity. I'd also like to create a space for people to strengthen their sense of community, even if it feels a bit artificial at first, but to give space for what I call peer support. So this is where people who are operating in similar roles um, can come together regularly and say, in a space of trust, I'm really struggling with this issue and I don't know what to do. And then other people in that space could say, I actually had that issue too, and this is what I did and what I'd advise you to do. So that, that's kind of the surface level of what we're trying to do with the social solidarity experiment is to create a change process to reverse some of the trends we've seen in our sector when it comes to burnout. Um, Dr. Liza Jackins, who used to work here in Webster University, she partnered with six major humanitarian organizations and she interviewed their staff and surveyed them. And she said, humanitarian workers are two to three times more likely to experience burnout, anxiety, depression, PTSD, or high rates of alcoholism than the general population. And she said this is often because of organizational stressors more than operational stressors. And so we're thinking that if we can create a process in our sector that helps address some of these issues, it could perhaps be picked up in other places, even here in Geneva, where you have health, you have human rights, you have trade, you have so many things that are going on here in Geneva itself. Um, if we can shed some light onto strategies that are effective, it might have some ripple effects for others too. Thank you so much for, for diving into the explanation of that.
So based on that idea, we held our first test event together the week before last, bringing together your your first group of women who are interested in addressing this challenge, testing some peer support activities together. What did you take away from that event? First of all, I was so grateful to you and your team, Katrona, at the task platform. I'd seen you at work at the Gender at Work event in April, where you brought people together from government perspective, from private sector perspective, from a variety of perspectives to look at how gender plays out and work. And what we've seen from our research is if you are a woman or a person of color, you have a higher chance of getting burnout for a variety of reasons. So what I wanted to do was see, could we really hone in on women in leadership roles for a variety of reasons? One, women are at higher risk. Two, leaders have extra pressure on them right now in the humanitarian sector because they are under a microscope with from their donors, from their boards, from their staff, from their constituents. They're under a lot of pressure and they also have a lot of influence. So I was hoping if we could engage women in leadership roles, they would benefit and they would also be able to perhaps cascade those benefits down to their workforce later. So what we did, um, we sat together and thought, could we do an event? We, we, we came up with a nice agenda where we could allow for these women who most of them didn't know each other, that was a surprise, to meet each other. And we, we demonstrated a technique called the Troika Consulting Technique. It's from Liberating Structures, where uh, the women break into groups of three and they each share a challenge and get peer support in that exercise. And what we heard from the participants was there's a real appetite for connection, for meeting other people who are in similarly stressful roles, and there's a great appetite for some kind of vision for a way to go forward. So after the event closed, a lot of women were like, we really want to keep this conversation going. How can we contribute? How can we participate? So it was refreshing to see that we really tapped into a need that's there and into some excitement from very generous people who are willing to share with each other. Yeah, from from my side as almost bystander to this, the task platform was hosting the event, but I personally am not from the humanitarian space. But hearing those conversations, seeing the immediate warmth and solidarity that grew between these women from sharing their challenges and talking about solutions that they could each bring really for me, demonstrated that there is a clear appetite for this kind of initiative. Could you say a little bit more about how you might see this growing going forward? Well, before I do, I should give a big shout out to the partners that we partnered with for the event. And this was interesting because I often hold events and I'm looking for partners and it's not so easy. But this one was an event where when we reached out and said, would you like to partner? It was pretty immediate. So we partnered with Anne-Sophie Louise, who I have known for years from Plan International, who is also a board member in the International Gender Champions, which also has a strong connection to the Graduate Institute. And we partnered with Fidelity Workplace Consulting with Angela Rooney and her team, because Fidelity Workplace has been really interested in supporting organizations to improve their sense of belonging and to support their workforce. So going forward, what I'd like to do is get to connect with each of the ladies who've expressed interest. By the way, half of the women we invited wanted to come, 
but they were either sick or they were pulled away in emergency travel or they were involved with the, the situation in Israel and Palestine. So it reminds me a lot of other humanitarian crises where people really want to get involved, but they've got a lot on their plate in the humanitarian sector. But going forward, I'd really like to get a better sense of what each of the women who'd like to participate, what their needs are, and how often and, and what their preferences are in terms of how to meet going forward. So we're in a bit of a needs analysis right now, and we have a lot of interesting ideas of how to create what we call peer support groups or masterminds, where you'd have groups of women, no, no larger than six each, and they're they're brought together based on their roles. They have similar roles. And they meet once a month to each get a chance in the hot seat where they can share a challenge that they have and get advice from their peers and then give advice to their peers on their challenges. So essentially, it will be a peer support group process. And we can bring everyone involved together maybe once a year to have some kind of shared learnings process. But ultimately, what I'd like the solidarity experiment to do is fill a gap that is surprising there's a gap, but um, if you look at the research on mental health at work, Dr. Aisha Malik was talking about this on my podcast, Embodying Change, there's no evidence as to what interventions are the most successful in addressing mental health at the workplace, and so especially in the humanitarian sector. And so if we can do this peer support process and actually track and study and report on what we learn, we could help fill a research gap that exists today after years and years of crowdsourced study of what research already exists in this field. So I think with that, you've summed up exactly why the task platform is so excited to be involved in this initiative. There's the, the engagement of a community that you would think would be well-connected, but actually we found that the majority of these women don't know each other despite being a few meters or kilometers from each other in, in this busy city of Geneva. Uh, we have the longitudinal research element being based here in the, the Graduate Institute. We're very interested in, in putting some data and some insights between the initiatives we're doing. And of course, we have the female empowerment experiment, which I think is so important to building a, a diverse and inclusive future of work. What should people do if they're interested in learning more or getting involved in this initiative? That is a brilliant question, Katrona. <laughs> I suspect, I don't know, but I suspect most of the people listening to this episode will already be following the task platform because um, you used to do task breaks up until this episode and you've got a really fabulous community network on Mighty Networks and you have a series of events. So I'm, I'm sure if people are following you already and they want to know how to get involved, they can reach out to you and your team. Exactly. I'm sure you'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what I've also been doing, because I'm very connected to the international humanitarian community, is inviting them to reach out to me through LinkedIn. For my mental health, I've been trying to limit my time on social media, but I do choose LinkedIn as the place that I, I show up regularly. So if anyone out there is hearing this and they'd rather contact me, they can send me a, a message in LinkedIn. And we're, we're going to be creating a series of helpful content in the coming months 
to share very bite-sized insights that people can apply in their daily lives now. And as we get clearer on what people's preferences are, we can be more explicit in terms of the program we're offering. And so now is the time, if you're listening to this now, to reach out to the task platform and to myself, Melissa Pitati, if you have ideas, and then just stay tuned. I'm really excited about what's coming up in the coming months. And if you're listening to this in the future, but now it's 10 years later, and you're a researcher, you can write about this for your research grant. Amazing. And you can find it on (laughs) taskplatform.org. Thank you so much, Melissa. I am thrilled to be at the inception of this exciting new journey with you. A huge thanks to my team of ladies here at the Task Platform. Mm -hmm. Our listeners, I really encourage you to to get in touch if you are a woman leader in the humanitarian space or if you know of any who would be interested in participating in this initiative or if it's something that could contribute to your organization or your thinking in this space then please do drop us a line and all that remains to say huge thank you to melissa huge thank you to plan international the gender champions network and fidelity for supporting the event and we look forward to the future of this exciting experiment. Thank you. Thank you, Katrina, and all your team.